and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. All right, let me, uh, let me start off by saying, and I know I speak for the crew, Jesse speaks for himself, but I have been absolutely overwhelmed by the response to our announcement uh, yet again. I told Jesse I was good. I got my flowers when Sid and I went off the air. It was very emotional for both of us. Uh, I was not expecting the kind of reaction that we got. Mm -mm. And let me tell you, <laughs> like, thank you. Like, thank you for letting us be a part of your routine. That is such an honor, and I will never stop being grateful for all the amazing support that we have had for the last two years. I saw Joanne on the way in today and got choked up and emotional for people who let us into their routine every day. Uh, also, I still can't believe what people think that they can write online. <laughs> like, I have friends that I can't control, Jesse. Like, to this day, do people know that when they yeah. write these things? Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. <laughs> that, that part is definitely a tough situation. There's, there's very much some yin and some yang doll. Yeah, is there, there not? Yeah. There is, but uh, I think we make the conscious effort to uh, allow ourselves to enjoy the support that we got. Like, we have to. We have no other choice because... I'm kidding about my friends, kind of. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I try really hard, and I know you're the same, to be introspective when it matters mm -hmm. most. And we have a tendency as humans to focus on the negativity, like the person who told me that I was embarrassing my entire family. Uh, yeah. Take the work seriously, but don't take yourself <laughs> too seriously. But like I was saying, we have, we have the tendency to exaggerate the negative and discount the positive. I refuse to fall into that trap I have for the vast majority of my life. I have my weaknesses like everybody else where we focus in, the computer's over here, on the negative. I'll use my phone. We focus in on the negative. Uh, you don't have to. You can always try and find the positive. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for everything that was said over the last 24 hours. Yes, all good things must come to an end, and yes, the show must go on. So on it will go, like this little girl with her mom's phone. Sophia? Dad? Did you take my phone? No. Give it to that is so amazing. Do we need it one more what time a, to get going here, do. Jesse? Of right, course, one, yes. One what? more time. Like this little it's girl in our, and her mom's phone is yeah. how we should live life. Oh, my goodness. Sophia? Dad? Did you take my phone? No. Give it to Laugh? Yeah. Like, how could you not hear that laugh and, and not smile? smile. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Both of us are doing it right now. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Even though we've seen good vitriol find. online. That's a good find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. The Jays have played their final Grapefruit League game. We will get you the highlights. Plus, more friends of the show popping by. Eric Smith, ahead of the Raptors and the Heat. Big game. Scotiabank Arena tonight mm. between Miami and Toronto. Everyone's big now. James Sharman, ahead of Canada on Honduras. That is also a big game at BMO and Nick Caprios. I had a 10 in the NHL. And of course, what was Canada's fastest growing game show. Smoke, fire, or shut your pie hole. <laughs> we will do the opposite of shutting our pie holes in first things first. Here's what everyone's talking about at this hour. So let's hit him again, Udonis Haslam. First things first. 
All right, Blue Jays uh, opening day two days away. March 30th, that's Thursday. The Jays, as mentioned, played their final Grapefruit League game earlier today against the Phillies before heading to St. Louis for that opener against the Cardinals. Jays tap the first, load the bases immediately. Brandon Belt. And doesn't quite belt one, which we'll hear way too often. Yeah, this year. I was just thinking that. Yeah, he'll just roll one through the right side. Yeah. Two runs come into count. Toronto yeah. leads 2 nothing. I promise I won't do that. You're going to have to work really hard to not sit. <laughs> Jose Barrios on the mound, bottom of the first strikes out. Nick Castellanos with a high flight. Never mind. Uh, end the inning, one of four Ks over four and two thirds of an inning. This is Bo, son of a Bichetti, did it again. His fourth going Apo Taco. Jays lose 6-5 the final. Also note, Jesse, now this was not a televised game, so we didn't get a lot of the highlights, but you say Kikuchi struck out six over two and two-thirds of work. He finishes the spring with 31 Ks and an ERA of under one in just under 21 innings of work. He will be the Jays' fifth starter, making his regular season debut in Kansas City next week, and manager John Schneider likes what he saw in the spring and what's not to like. Hopefully he just does exactly what he's been doing. I mean, he's been probably by far, you know, the most effective guy um, pretty consistently outside of Gosman. Um, so yeah, I mean, just the adjustments he's made and, Getting in the box, I think the the pitch timer helps him to kind of move on to the next pitch. He's been he's been outstanding. So uh, whatever Pete's been telling him, I hope he keeps telling him on the flight and the flight to Kansas City. Hmm. All right. Uh, hopes are high for almost every team at this time of the year. And in a mm -hmm. recent interview with the mm -hmm. Toronto Sun, New Jays outfielder Kevin Kiermaier said, "Quote: Knowing this group and what guys are about, 100 wins is very attainable." I heard that. Do you agree with him? Listen, uh, Jay's preseason quotes over the last few years haven't gone all that well. Let's just, we can take a step back from this one and understand that he's optimistic about the new team that he's joining and trying to be positive like we are off the top of the show. No? I wonder if he knows what Vladdy said last year. <laughs> I think... I think a lot of people heard what Vladdy said last year, but I also know that this guy's been around the league for mm. a while, and he looks at a pretty damn... Listen... Uh, Chris Black on Twitter earlier today uh, in an ode to this show said superstat or meaningless number and brought up the idea of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being the eighth most productive player on the team last year and it got me to thinking. Listen, I don't know what we're going to get from Yusei Kikuchi, but he's looked pretty damn good in the preseason. If they avoid injuries, this team is better than they were last year in my mind. The starting rotation is really good. And there will be a few bumps along the road. Mm -hmm. That's baseball over 162. They are in a tough division, which makes me kind of sore to say 100 wins just slow down a wee bit. But honestly, I have bet this. I have put money on the Jays to win the American League East mm. and mm. the World Series. And I'm not trying to mush anything. I'm just trying to tell you that I don't think a lot of folks around Major League Baseball are taking Toronto serious enough. And much of that, especially the odds, has to do with the division they play in. It's just tough, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's some depth issues on this team, which is why I put the health caveat there. 
But if they're healthy and they stay healthy, especially when it comes to starting pitching, I think this is as good a team as there is in the American League East, including the New York Yankees. Well, they're also playing the division less this year. Yep. For the first time. A more balanced schedule. A more balanced schedule, but still, you've got to play yes. within the division. Yeah. And all that does is probably going to make the American League East even tougher because they more want to wins. play each other. Yeah. Right. More wins against inferior central. opponents. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you just come out and say it. It's right. not just inferior opponents. Right. It's the central. Right. Yeah. No, I, 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 a little bit less. I think... I, th- I, I think I agree with you and Kevin Kiermeyer, but I, I, I would be hesitant to, to speak like this because of what Vladdy said <laughs> last year. <laughs> because, because of preseason quotes. No, yeah, period. And, and it's fairness, not just Vladdy. He wasn't go back. Here, right, he wasn't here last year. So I don't know if you were working when R.A. Dickey was, uh, was exactly. acquired by the Toronto Blue Jays, exactly. but I've been, yeah, like, very gun-shy. Like, and Kevin Kiermeyer does not have the status of Vladimir Guerrero, so maybe when or if things don't work out, this quote won't come back to haunt the Jays. Like the Vladdy quote ended up coming back to haunt the Jays, but it's just, it's just a curious decision. Now, like I don't know the nature of the interview. You know, maybe it was taking a little bit of context. Who knows? But I would just refrain uh, in the future from saying things like this because it sort you of think puts, he's going to jinx it. It puts it puts you under the, the the microscope a little bit more, and it's like just, just go about your business and do your thing. You're a good team, and, and let the chips fall where they may. Well, you think honestly? Do you think Kevin Kiermaier is really worried about that? He's been around for a while. He's got a few Gold Gloves. He's gone to the postseason. You really think he's worried about this coming back to bite him in the ass? I don't know, but we talk about announcer jinxes all the time. Nah, get out this of guy's here. on the roster. Yeah. When you talk and you're on the roster, it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if uh, MLB The Show agrees with Kevin Kiermaier, but they ran a simulation and said that the Jays are going to win 108 games and lose to the Astros in the ALCS. Would you take that right now? It's a, it's a video game for those who don't know. First of all, the show, one of the best the show video, is incredible. Yeah, one of the best video it's games actually, on It's Earth. actually unbelievable. I graphics completely are great. Gameplay is agree. great. Home run derby is great. Everything's great about it. Wonderful. My um, son kicks my ass, and I will be the show all the time. You're asking me if... Of course he does. Yeah. It's a generational gap. <laughs> <laughs> so you're asking me if I would take 108 wins and the ALCS. And a loss. Losing, in the, losing. And a loss in the ALCS. No, of course not. By the way, uh, 108 wins would be tied for the 10th most wins in MLB history. Wonderful. What does that get you? <laughs> that... That and two dollars, Jesse, yeah. will get you a copy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be nice, nickel, but whatever. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun over the 162 games to win 108 uh, games. But at the end of the day, you know, there's only one thing that matters, and that's winning the World Series trophy. Yeah, it's it's your enjoyment in the season. I completely. As I get older, and this is, uh, you know, in youth we learn, in age we understand. As I get older, enjoying the season means a lot. Oh, I mean, do not tell Leaf fans that. There's 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 only. There's only one winner every year, I, and we overrate what that one winner means long term. If you can enjoy, listen, Leafs fans, 1967 makes them completely and utterly different than anybody else on planet Earth An when it comes to sports. Mm-hmm. That is correct for them. Everyone else, enjoy the bleeping season. Enjoy the bleeping playoffs. Only one team wins every year. Mm-hmm. That's tough odds. Yeah. That the, is really they, tough odds. They should. But you know that they, you know. If you won, if they won 108, we won't have this show. But if we were, (laughs) we're on in September and the Jays were on their way to 108 wins, you'd be giddy. Admit it. I'm giddy all the time. Yeah, you're giddy all the time. I'm giddy all the time. Uh, Nathan Lucas is giddy. Yeah. How about a 28-year-old making what looks like, we don't have this official yet. Have we heard it? 
Officially, it's unofficially official. Schneider, Schneider said, said it. it. He confirmed it, yeah. Nathan Lucas is going to get the final spot on the 26-man roster. He's 28 years old. He was the last cut last year. That deserves a little bit of horns. Yeah. Like, Perseverance. Like, when you consider what minor leaguers make, too, mm-hmm. like it's not, they don't get, it's not even like the AHL. Like, they don't get a ton of cash. That's, that feels good. No, you're, it's a tough, that's a, that's a tough life, the minor leagues. Oh. Baseball particularly, right? Oh. Like, of all the uh, major sports and their minor affiliates. Do yourself a favor and Google what a minor leaguer makes. Yeah. Living situation. But it's just tough. Tough for Otto Lopez. Yeah. Uh, Cannot kid. uh, I guess they didn't watch too much of the WBC. (laughs) I was going to say that. Uh, Zach Pop looks like he's the last spot in the bullpen. So uh, one Canadian gets the final spot on the bullpen side of things. And uh, Nathan Lucas, that doesn't mean Otto Lopez won't be called up. Yeah. And also because Lucas, left-handed hitter with speed, can play all three outfield positions. Um, he'll make his MLB debut whenever he gets into this lineup. Zach Pop was Jack, uh, Jeff Blair's pick for uh, like a breakout. And Joe Siddle, too. Campaign, yeah. Both Joe of them. Joe Siddle, too, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, workout day in St. Louis for the Blue Jays tomorrow. So, you don't want to hear any more 108 wins or 100 wins. Let's just see how it plays out. No, I, I do think fans would obviously enjoy it, but, but I think the, the preference would be winning. <laughs> the preference would be winning. The whole Thanks. thing. The fans whole thing. would enjoy it. Thank well, you. Well, no, I, I don't. But, but there's, the, 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 like, this has become a thing not just in baseball, but it's like the ring culture. And the NBA really oh, yeah. encap- encapsulates more this more than anything else, yeah. right? It's like the only thing that matters, especially for the best players, is you have to win rings. And if you don't win rings, you don't have a legacy. It's like, I'm with you on that. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, like, especially as we get to like 30. Like when it was the original six in the National Hockey League or like, you know, 14 baseball teams. Yeah. Gotcha. It's like, okay, so, so Damian Lillard, uh, we can't appreciate Damian Lillard because he hasn't won a title. Yeah. Like, scored 70 points in an NBA game. Guy's pretty good. Appreciate mm. the talent. You know, Did you know so. he just got shut down for the season? Yeah, it was bad. Bad name to bring up on a day like today. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, vir- I can't virtual believe- hug for Damian Lillard in That's Portland. Tough. Oh, my God. Oh, I think something's going to happen this year. This you think season. so? I just... No, I think he's too far gone. I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, he's too good to just... Totally- no, that's it. Like, I think he's not young either. Well, he scored 70 this year. So. I know, but he's, what, 32? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just off the top of the dome piece. I haven't confirmed that. I didn't know we were talking about Damian Lillard here. But it is tough, and you're right. He's not going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. I wrote down at the start of the year, you know how I write down my ideas for the yeah, entire year? Yeah, I said you should publish a book. Yeah, yeah one, of, one of them was he what's going to happen with Damian Lillard. He's 32, by the is way. Is he 32? Off, off the dome piece. Yeah, no, because I wrote it down at the start of the year. Like, what do they do with him? And I think they're too far gone. He's not going anywhere. Anyways, we're talking about the Blue Jays. Damian Lillard, uh, let's pour some out for yeah. his season and what is an amazing career despite yes. no rings. Enough Steve with, Nash, enough despite with the no trophy rings. And ring Charles culture. Barkley, yes. no rings. Yes. Are they not great players? Yes. They're great players all. Yes, no doubt. Uh, okay, let's go to hockey now. Canadian NHL teams went 3-0 last night. Leon Dreisaitl scored career goal number 300 in the Oilers' 5-4 win over the Coyotes. The Habs beat the Sabres in a shootout with Michael Pizzetta scoring the winner and then celebrating in the style. And Brady won the Battle of the Kachuk Brothers as the Sens beat the Panthers 5-2 to keep their extraordinarily slim playoff hopes alive. What stood out to you from last oh, night? Oh, now the, the hopes NHL? are alive. I know they're extraordinarily slim, but the hopes are alive. This was a feel-good, like, 
night in the National Hockey League, and frankly, I enjoyed it. Like the Michael Pozzetta celebration, I know that there will be people who will overanalyze the hell out of it and come up with ideas of what it means for hockey long, short term, how we need more and or less of things like Michael Pozzetta did last night. But what an amazing reminder. Who gives a bleep? It made a lot of people smile, and I am one of them. And man, did I need it. Do you, Pizzetta? Mm -hmm. And the post game was a chef's kiss for homeboy who said, I don't know how many times I'm going to score a game winner in the National Hockey League. I'm going to ride my stick like I'm Tiger Williams. (laughs) And you know what? Damn it, I love it, Michael Pizzetta. You do you, you keep doing you, no matter what anyone says. Yeah! It's amazing. I feel like... um, Fans are, are are warming up to stuff like this because you know, like especially in hockey, most of them. Yeah, but especially in hockey, like this hockey culture for a very right, long time. Someone's crafting a tweet right, right now, getting mad at it. Right, a lot uh, for a long time. It's like, no, you got to be professional. You got to be classy. You got to just congratulate your teammates, go to the bench, and that's the end of the goal celebration. But now it's like we need to find new ways to add personality. And, and in essence, grow the game. And kids are watching that, and that's fun. I just just have more fun because you never know what someone's going through in life. And they come home and they turn on the TV, and Michael Pizzetta is doing Tiger Williams to a T, fist pumps and all. I don't even know what they're fist pumps. They might be points more than fist pumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they were points. They're more points. He knew it. He had watched the video of Tiger Williams. He recreated it. It was lovely, and I smiled. And I also smiled watching the Kachuk brothers go toe-to-toe in auto. Like, that was a feel. I know that they have incredibly slim playoff hopes. We knew going in they extraordinarily. Had incredibly, extraordinarily slim playoff hopes. Yeah. That was a lot of fun to watch. Like, the brothers going toe-to-toe. The Brady's better chant was awesome. All with Bettman in the building. And let me tell you what I loved even more. It was DJ Smith. And after the game, he talked about Brady Kachuk's game. And it's not just the offense. Did you see Timmy Stutzla get hit Mm -hmm. by Radko Gudis? Who, when Sid and I used to make predictions, I once predicted that Radko Gudis would have his career ended by somebody else because you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Mm-hmm. Timmy Stutzla is unbelievable and is having an unbelievable year. He comes across the blue line. He's trolley tracks for Radko Gudis. Radko Gudis finishes his check because that's what Radko Gudis does. And Brady Kachuk comes over to Radko Gudis, and maybe not the time for the fight, but he says, if you ever do that again... We're going to have a problem. And I just absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And so did DJ Smith. And here's what he said after the game. Here's DJ Smith, his head coach. I, uh, that's as mature a game as Brady's played in a long time. I, he was winning inches there at the end. Um, and that's what you have to do. This time of year, these are playoff games, essentially, you know, us versus them. And it's every inch matters. And I, and I think... The, you know, he was winning the blue line. He was doing those things. He was real vocal on the bench to continue to make plays. Um, you know, to me, he did a heck of a job leading the group here tonight. Winning inches, I absolutely, I bleep and love that. And let me tell you why. So my dad played at St. Mike's in Toronto mm-hmm. with Dave Keon, among others. A lot of really good players. And Dave Keon and mm-hmm. him have become pretty good friends mm-hmm. over the years. And I once asked Dave Keon, what's the difference between playoff hockey and regular season hockey? 
And he said, in regular season, you might get 10 feet here or there. In the playoffs, you have to earn every foot. Mm -hmm. There is not one foot that you don't have to battle for. And when I watch playoff hockey, that sticks in the back of my mind and it is so remarkably true about the teams that are successful in the postseason. Earmuffs, the irony, Leaf fans that this might be your greatest player of all time, in my very humble opinion, the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf to ever wear the jersey, talking about what it takes to win in the postseason. Mm -hmm. And the Ottawa Senators are probably not going to get there this year, though I would love to see it. And they're still learning the lessons that you need to learn in the postseason. And I know there's a lot of talk about DJ Smith's future in Ottawa. I, for one, would love to see him get the opportunity to make that turn with these guys because last night, what I saw against a team that is probably more talented than them was a gutsy group yeah. put their brass ones on the line and beat a good team in a game that mattered. And those are the kind of steps that teams need to take to get to the top. And I liked it. Yeah, I no, enjoyed it a lot. It's a great point. It, and that's why I think we were sort of on the Sens bandwagon when they were making that push a couple weeks ago. It's because they play a brand of hockey that would translate really well to the postseason. And they would be an entertaining team to watch in the right. playoffs. And that's, right. that's sort of why I felt like I was getting behind. It's a great story, great yeah. crowd. Great environment nowadays. Yeah. So just a lot thought, of fun last yeah. night, right? Yeah, with it was with awesome. Gary in the building. Yeah. It was a lot of fun last night. And I was going to say, like, for a franchise that's been through a lot over the last little while, and then I remembered I was just talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, like, they went to a final at least. Like, they've seen something yeah. over the last little while. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about how, how great the atmosphere and environment was. Yeah, a feel-good night. A feel-good night in Ottawa, but this is uh, anything but this next story. To tennis we go. Uh, an awful scene in Miami as Bianca Andreescu, friend of the show, suffered a very bad-looking injury in a round of 16 matchup uh, against Ekaterina Alexandrova. Uh, Bianca was in obvious pain and was taken off the court in a wheelchair. Uh, tough to watch. What was your reaction seeing this play out? Uh, I was absolutely heartbroken for not just a friend of the show, but an athlete who has worked her ass off to find the kind of, of caliber and the kind of form that she just showed in this tournament. I mean, I, I was watching her post-match interview after her last win and I was thinking in my head, having had her in studio, having had conversations with her about all the growth since sitting in here after winning the US Open and climbing a mountain that had her a global superstar. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, it's so awesome to see Bianca back at this level. Here, here's her, her post-match interview after her last win and where I thought, man, this makes it even all the more heartbreaking. Last time I played here in 2021, I did not enjoy myself. I did not feel that I deserved to be in that final. But this year, I feel like a totally different person, and I definitely feel like I deserve to be here right now. Like it's yeah, just, I mean, that sucks. You know, like we, we <laughs> sit here all the time and we analyze what athletes go through, and then we hit on their results mm -hmm. and say they're this, they're that, they're the other thing. And sometimes we don't take into account near enough the journey. 
just the journey to get to be a pro athlete shows a level of, of ability, one, a level of work ethic, two, a level of intestinal fortitude that a lot of us could never in our wildest dreams even muster up just to get to that level. And then we just talk about the results. And maybe because she's been in here a couple of different times and talked about everything that she went through, I was heartbroken to watch that. And I, and I hope we get to the moment, like I said to her the last time when she was on, I can't wait to see her at the top again. And this, it feels like it's miles away right now again, but she's still young and I, yeah. I, I hope there's a, another opportunity. Yeah, we hope for the best for her, for sure. And just when I, when I see things like this happen to athletes, it just puts into perspective, like especially in tennis, the longevity of, of some of the players that we've been able to watch for a generation. Right. Like we've been le- blessed right. to be able to watch, you know, Nadal, Serena, Federer, Serena, back. Yeah, Djokovic Nadal. still right. going. Right. And the fact that injuries, especially in that sport, haven't derailed them. I know Federer, people would have liked to see him play a little bit longer, and Nadal seems like it's catching up with him now. a little yeah. bit now. But they have had such long, incredible careers at such a high level and just... It puts it in perspective for me. Yeah, so heart breaks for yeah. Bianca, and we cheer for this. Yes, we are cheering for her. Uh, still to come, Nick Kiprios in studio. Smoke, fire, or shut your pie hole, as it were. Uh, James Sharman ahead of Canada's most important Nations League matchup with Honduras. Back on home soil this time. And after the break, Raptors' second-to-last home game of the regular season already. That's right. They host the Heat. Kyle Lowry, the Groat, is back in town. And Eric Smith will join us from Scotiabank Arena. Next, right here. Until next time. This is the moment the country has waited for. The Kings of the North, they've done it. Canada is going to the World Cup. Michael Pizzetta with a chance to win it for the Canadians. Pizzetta cuts in the middle, scores! And he rides the stick gives it the point to all the fans. It's a family affair as the Kachucks get together. Javon with a stick handle around the stick and Kachuk scores! Brady gets on the board first for the Senators. And the Brady's better chance comes from the fans in Ottawa. They get in on the Kachuk rivalry. Close the pie hole on that one. <laughs> Welcome back to Tim and Friends. The Raptors finishing off their homestand against the Heat tonight. They enter the night tied with the Atlanta Hawks for eighth in the East and look like a lock for the play-in tournament, I think. And then, I mean, let me rewind that. They look like they're good for the play-in tournament. Heat, meantime, tied with the Nets for six as they try and avoid that play-in. Nets shut down Ben Simmons for the season today with a back injury. Kyle Lowry, speaking of backs, will play. He's back tonight for the Heat. Jimmy Butler out next soreness with more on tonight's game uh, let's get to my next guest who is not only a longtime friend of the show not only the radio play-by-play voice of the Toronto Raptors but he is calling his 1,000th career wow. regular season game on the radio tonight at Scotiabank Arena ladies and gentlemen boys and girls 1,000 for Eric Smith what's going on Smith it's weird when I'm not in the studio and you're playing all these sound effects because I don't know if I'm supposed to just stand here and nod or like dance or something or whatever. But thank, uh, thank I you very much. Dance. I appreciate I, I would it. Say, would you remember game one? No, no. Uh, 
You know what? I actually don't remember game one, <laughs> but I remember season one because in season one with my man Paul Jones, we've been working together for this is our 18th season together. Wow. And I remember season one, and I, honestly, I would have to do the math on whether it was game 35 or 42 or whatever. Right. But in season one, and for a kid that developed the passion for the sport in the early to mid-80s and the Showtime Lakers and Magic Johnson being my guy, there I am courtside in Los Angeles about 10 feet to the left of the Lakers bench. And when Kobe Bryant comes to check in the game at the scores table, and he puts that rosin in his okay. hand, and it's sprinkling all over my computer. That's how close I am to Kobe <laughs> okay. as he's torching the Raptors for 81 points. That was in my rookie season calling games with Jonesy. So, oh, no again, way. I don't remember game one, but definitely remember season one. I remember watching that game without a doubt. So that, what, what's the best game out of, outside of game six in Golden State, of course? What's the favorite game that you have called of the Toronto Raptors in those 18 crazy seasons? You know what? It, it, I, I might have just uh, I might have just given it away. I mean, it's hard to top Kobe. Yeah. I know the Raptors lost the game, <laughs> yeah, but gonna... when you're witnessing history yeah. like that and seeing Kobe Bryant go for 81, and and again, we've talked about this probably ad nauseum over the years, but I still love telling the story of the Lakers needed damn near all of those 81. The Raptors led for you know 75 percent of that game. That game was still tight going into the fourth quarter, in spite of what Kobe was doing. So, yeah. you know, that probably is the one that stands out. I can think to. You know, the, the playoff game against the then New Jersey Nets with Jose Calderon looking for Chris Bosh in the lane, and it just caught a fingertip, and the pass was deflected, and the Raptors ultimately bow out in that playoff series. Yeah. The heartbreak right here at the at the key just to my left against the then Brooklyn Nets in this building going back a little less than a decade ago uh, with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and that play involving Paul Pierce as well. I mean, there are so many memories. And prior to the championship, a lot of those memories, not that there weren't good ones as well, but a lot of it was some of those heartbreak, heartbreak moments yeah. that made then the championship that much sweeter when it ultimately came. Without a doubt. So it's fitting that the Groat is back for this bad boy. Kyle Lowry will play tonight for the Heat. Uh, I know he's been back, but it just feels special when Lowry's in the building. Yeah, it really does. And, and I think there is still that kind of buzz about him. Uh, you know, he's been coming off the, the, the bench and playing in that second unit for Miami quite a bit of late. Uh, I assume that will still be the case again tonight. We don't have the starters officially yet, Timmy. But either way, it's still a chance to, to kind of pay homage to this guy who is the greatest Raptor of all time, by all accounts, by your account, Jesse's mind, so many viewers out there as well. And, and, you know, I can even reference just my time in calling games and being around Kyle from the day that he stepped in here. The maturation of him as a player but also as a person, as a guy who came in with that maybe chip on the shoulder and a bit of a gruff, rough exterior, which was still there when he left as well. <laughs> but he had also matured into a, 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 a man and a, and a father, let alone as a teammate, and a guy who that embraced the city and embraced all that it meant, let alone the way he improved as a player, improved his body and his nutrition and his health and everything else. I can't say enough good things about yeah. Kyle, like I say, as a person, let alone as a player and what he meant to this team. Yeah, I mean, game six, we just talked about Golden State. That's one of my favorite moments of Kyle. Also, uh, taking a charge in an all-star game might be one of my favorite Kyle moments <laughs> of all time. As a dude that once fouled yes. a guy out at Neil McNeil on five charges, I always appreciated what Kyle could do. Could So could... Could this be a playoff? You've never told me that story. I want, oh, I want to yeah. know that story one of these days. Oh, right? yeah. There's got to be, if there's footage, we need to see it. Anyways, I don't, think, I don't think there's any footage out there, but I was a damn good charge taker. In fact, I had one of my brother's friends coaching another high school 
yelling at the officials to stop falling for this ish because McAuliffe kept <laughs> taking charges. Uh, all right, so I was going to say, could this be a playoff preview, but maybe moreover, could this be a play-in preview? Uh, I think it very well could be. I mean, I was listening to you off the top, and obviously the way you were laying things out in terms of the standings, this is a huge game. I mean, they're all big right now. I know that's kind of cliche at this point. Going back to earlier in this homestand, clearly that loss uh, to Indiana was was one that could come back to bite Toronto. But you win this game tonight, and you're only two back uh, of that, that seventh spot, and you're knocking on the door of the sixth spot as well. And you mentioned with Ben Simmons being shut down, I don't know if that's going to impact or have any impact on, on what Brooklyn's doing, but this very well could be the play. And I, I think when all is said and done, I feel like Toronto is probably still in the play because they got to leapfrog a couple of teams, whereas with Miami only having to maybe deal with Brooklyn at this point. You know, Atlanta's been scuffling. I know that the, the, the Bulls have been coming on strong. I think Washington's out of it at this point. I think for Toronto, you're locked in to one of those four spots, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a matter of can you get the seven or eight to avoid having to potentially play twice. If you could get it in one of those spots and only have to win once, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you're looking for right now if you're a Raptor fan. Uh, has there been a Jeff Doughton revelation, or am I going too far here? Um, no, I don't think you're going too far. All I right. think that, and, and listen, I can't, I can't reach far enough back to give myself the Barry Horowitz pat on the back <laughs> here, but both Jonesy and I have been saying all season that we've liked his game. Now, he spent a bunch of time down at the 905 as well, but a lot of that was also contractually, you know, time with the big club, man games, et cetera, that you don't want to necessarily mess with. So a lot of this came down to the finances. But when they've needed him, i.e. when injuries have happened over the course of this year, whether it was Van Vliet down for a while, whether it was missing Malachi Flynn, or again of late with no Scotty Barnes, with no Gary Trent, and that affecting your guard rotation, Jeff Doughton has constantly performed and consistently performed. He's not a guy whose numbers are going to jump off the page. I don't think he's playing long enough to have numbers jump off the page. But what stands out more than anything is I don't think, and, and maybe it's the reason you bring it up as well, Timmy, he doesn't look out of place. He doesn't look like yeah. he's scared or nervous of the moment as this you know raw player. He comes in, he guards his man, doesn't matter if it's an all-star that he's looking at across the court. He guards his man, he plays his position, he moves the ball, he looks confident in calling plays. He knows when to pick and choose his spots as well as a shooter, but he knows he's there more so as a distributor. And I think when you can seize that moment and play within yourself and play that role, I think that's exactly what this team needs. And it, to me, says something. And I'm not trying to rip on anybody here, mm -hmm. but I think it says something that at this stage of the season, with these type of meaningful games, that Nick Nurse is even looking to him more so than Malachi Flynn or others. That, to me, tells me and you everything we need to know about him as a player, Doughton, and what the team and organization thinks of him. Yeah, we'll see what it means uh, moving forward for the young man as well because he's done it the hard way. Uh, I Listen, when I started this thing, I made up this phrase that no one else came up with before when I said I'll get by with a little help from my friends. Uh, you have been a friend since Jump. And I always appreciate you jumping on and sharing words with us, whether it's talking basketball on the air, off the air. I always appreciate what you've done for this show and for me. I appreciate you saying that. And I, I mean, I could wax poetic for a long time, but you know how I think of you and, and your whole crew. Yeah. I know everybody puts in uh, a lot of hours and a lot of time, a lot of blood, sweat and tears over the years. It's been a fantastic show. It's been a staple for me and for so many others. And, uh, you know, I've always got your back and whatever you need me on whatever position or time <laughs> slot you may be. Yeah. I'm there for you, man. All the best. Uh, I, I appreciate it. And it goes back to uh, the Jay show and the score. Appreciate you, homie.
right, thanks. There is uh, Eric Smith. That might have been just for me and him. That's okay. Yeah, you're entitled yeah. to it. Oh, Dobby. Dobby. Thomas Dobby got it. Yeah. yeah. Was it Jay's <laughs> Express? I got to ask uh, Eric Smith what the show was. But yeah, came over and did a lot of stuff at the score. Anyways, uh, great to people. have Smitty. A lot of classy No. Good nice. people. Yeah, really good people. Salt of the earth. There's a lot of fakes and phonies in this business. Who did we say yesterday was saltier than most? Kyle? Kyle and Amber, too, yeah. and that entire, yeah. Listen, speaking of, James Sharman, he sprinkles salts on his pie. Yes, he yeah, does. That's how salt of the earth he is. I'll explain and we'll talk soccer next. Sounds great. <laughs> what? Euro qualifying, Scotland, Spain. You know, if we're showing you Euro qualifying, either I'm mailing it in for the final two weeks of this show or something happened. <laughs> something happened. Scotland off on the right foot. Man United, Scott McTominay finds the back of the net early on. Scotland lead 1-0. 51st minute, Scotland on the attack. Stuart Skinner. No, it's McTominay again. It's not Stuart Skinner, but I love saying that in the Scottish accent. 2-0 win over Spain and Scottish football is back. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. a potential where were you moment. Canadian pride, the snow, the conditions. A chance to complete that quest for Qatar 2022. Seen exactly one year and one day ago as Canada punched their ticket to the Men's World Cup for the first time in 36 years. Tonight they play at home for the first time since that frigid day that I stood there with my son freezing my you-know-what's off. They'll host Honduras tonight. Win or draw tonight sees Canada qualify for the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals this June in Vegas. A win will see them avoid the United States in the semifinals. Let's break this and unfortunately the rest of Canada soccer down with another longtime friend of the show, one of the best footy analysts in all of Canada, the maker of a proper pie, James Sharman. Welcome back, Sharman. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Timmy. Doing great. A little bit warmer today than it was a year ago <laughs> on, on, on this day, but uh, still, yeah. it's a little bit chilly. Yeah, I froze my Bunburys off that, that day, James. I I definitely did. <laughs> oh, the Axe Bunbury reference. <laughs> Love it. All right. Can we start on the pitch? Like, please, dear God, can please, we start? Please, can we, Timmy? Yeah, we'll start on the pitch and talk about uh, Canada-Honduras. Obviously, there is a little history. There is a little rivalry between these two. How is Canada coming in after playing Curacao over the weekend? Well, they're healthy. Uh, John Herbins back in the sidelines for this one, suspended against Curacao. 
Alistair Johnson back from suspension, so looking pretty good. Um, it's a big game, like you mentioned there. The chance to qualify for the Nations League semi-finals, which means potentially a trophy in Las Vegas in June. Um, that's that's a big moment if they can get there, and they should get there. I mean, you're right. This this history. We'll always hear about 8-1, of course, yeah. with Honduras. Uh, and Honduras beat Canada last time out, 2-1 yeah. in the Nations League. But the bottom line is this, this Canadian team is, uh, I think at this point, a different level to Honduras. And, and it should be uh, three points tonight. Uh, uh, is the starting 11 chock full of the names that everyone knows and loves? I would think so. I mean, it hasn't been released just yet. Well, that's another hour away or so. Uh, but I imagine you'll see Carl Laren, you'll see John David, and of course Alfonso Davis. Um, Stephen Vittoria is out, suspended for this one. But apart from that, you'll see a very strong, you know, 11. There aren't that many games, right, for this team this year. Right. Let's be honest here. It's an issue with Canadian soccer. So you'll see John Herbert put out the best he can for tonight's game. When do we, uh, listen, I I was really high, and I know you were too, on the Atiba Hutchison appearance in the World Cup and what that meant to uh, longtime supporters of the Canadian national team. Might this be, I mean, we're not going to, you said this, we're not going to see him a lot. Are, are we getting to the point where this may be his last appearance at home as a member of this team? I have to admit, it's crossed my mind as well. This yeah. this might be it. We keep saying, though, when will Atiba retire? And he doesn't. He keeps playing. He still loves playing football. Now, we know in the World Cup he had his moments, but it wasn't a great World Cup for too many players individually. But he entered that tournament coming off a, a long-time injury. Yeah. Um, he looks pretty good in training so far. Got some minutes coming on for Ishmael Kone, who he's really passing the torch to, I think, at this point. But it's possible. Um, if it is the last game for Atiba in Canada. That is sad because it won't be a sold-out house today. Um, I'm not sure what the ticket sales are right now, but there's still plenty available. They are not even trying to sell the top tier on the eastern side no. of the stadium. So uh, that's a bit sad. It should be a yeah. celebration for, for many reasons, but perhaps no more so than saying farewell to the great Atiba Hutchinson, if that's the case. Uh, I've heard the tickets aren't that cheap. Uh, is that true? Like, I mean, listen, we're, yeah. we're, we're going to talk about... Um, Canada soccer and more people appearing in front of the Senate committee uh, in Ottawa, like almost a year to the day, James. And the fact that you utter the phrase that they are not even selling the top tier. I know it's Honduras. I know it's March and not a lot of people are thinking about this, but almost a year to a day where we thought this was the crowning moment of Canadian soccer, Olympic champions on the women's side, the men going to uh, uh, the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. How the hell have we gone backwards since that point? I, I tell you, Timmy, hearing John Herbert speak yesterday about the issues off the field and uh, the frustration in his voice, he even used that word, frustrating, about where we're at now and where we thought we were just four or five months ago now. It, it, it's sad. Listen, we, we need to realize that we're not yet a soccer nation. We're just not. All right, we're on the right. We're on the way. We're going to get there eventually. But the fact is, people love big tournaments. They love World Cups, right? Uh, the true diehards come for Nations League games as well, not necessarily all the games. And, and we're seeing that today. Um, this has been, as we discussed numerous times, um, off the field. It's been a long time coming. This is boiling point where we're hitting right now. It's unpleasant. The players aren't saying too much at this camp so far. The men, certainly. The women are far more outspoken. John mm -hmm. Herbin can't say too much. You know, he's caught between a rock and a hard place. Right. But it's embarrassing 
right now. And yep. the fact that we can't sell out a stadium, the first match after a World Cup, to me, it is pathetic, quite honestly. Uh, there isn't much marketing around it either at the moment. So th there's so many issues. And, um, and this is how you make the to money to pay these players. Like, if we're going is, to talk yeah. about what Canada soccer needs to do to be a proper footballing nation, I've said it before, you can't invite Iran and then pay them to stay home. And then you can't have a dispute with your men's player and cancel another game and pay another country to say You have to have these games where you create an atmosphere and the way that you create an atmosphere is make the tickets 40 bucks and let everyone who wants to go down to a game go down to a game and celebrate and have fun like what we're doing here it honestly james it, it's it's mind-blowing how many times it seems like this group steps in its own way if we're showing tickets for 150 bucks and it's not sold out I've heard that Canada Soccer did actually um, hire a company to, to advise them how to make more money in certain areas. And one was to raise ticket prices, which just tells me that that company has no idea about the game and the sport in this country. You can't do that. You're right. You keep them cheap. You, you pack out BMO Field with 25,000 people. That's what you do. I was on Ticketmaster earlier this week. 150 bucks for a ticket yeah. on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock in March. I mean, who can afford that from a family perspective? Right. It's, it's, it's not good enough. It's, it's poor and it needs to be you know, improved upon and corrected. Yeah, that, that's, you just need to get people in the building to experience what it is. And you and I were in the building against Jamaica. It was an unbelievable scene. It was an unreal scene. It's something that I shared with my son that I will remember for the rest of my life. Get more people into those stadiums so that they can have the same experience. What are we expecting later this week uh, from Nick Bontis and now Victor Montagliani in, in front of the standing committee on Heritage? <laughs> Well, I mean, I imagine hard questions will be asked, I, I would hope. Um, listen, I'm not sure if you saw the, the previous Heritage meetings. They were not great questions. They no. were Statements. government officials who were unprepared, yeah. didn't have a clue, quite frankly, about the sport in this country, came at Canada Soccer pretty hard, um, but they weren't prepared. Um, I, I thought Canada Soccer dealt with it relatively well, actually, with Cochran in particular last time out. This time around, it's, it's Nick Bontis, of course, the much maligned former president and the CONCACAF president, Vita Montaliani, uh, former Canada Soccer uh, president, mm -hmm. to answer questions about the CSB deal and what happened there, why was it signed, when was it signed exactly? There's some conjecture as to when that happened. Perhaps are there loopholes to get out of that deal? Um, it'll be interesting. Once again, all the, uh, the mainstream media will be reporting on government hearings about soccer rather than what's happening on the pitch right. here, which is very disappointing, but expected, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, and hopefully there's some research done and it's not just grandstanding, but unfortunately, oftentimes in these situations, <laughs> It's more grandstanding than actual fact. Uh, that's why I love talking to you, Charms. You always bring actual fact. Thanks for doing this, as always. Bye-bye. Thanks, pal. Really enjoyed it over the last few years, mate. Uh, love you all. Even Thomas Dobby, so thanks so much. <laughs> Producer Thomas Dobby with another name check. Yeah, I always appreciated you jumping on with us. And you know every iteration that I'm in, I'll be, uh, I'll be calling you to talk footy. Look forward to it, pal. All right, there is uh, James Sharman here on Tim and Friends. Always been on the other side, another good friend of the show, Nick Kiprios, stops by for his regular Tuesday appearance. We'll go around the NHL, do a little smoke fire and shut your pie hole. Next here on Tim and Do I have to explain that to people, why it became shut your pie hole? I think they got it by now.
And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here. Final half an hour on Tim and Friends. Nick Kiprios in studio. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Ten games in the NHL tonight, including five Canadian teams. So most of you are excited for them on the Sportsnet family of channels. The Oilers playing back-to-back as they face the Golden Knights in Vegas tonight. Now, Edmonton coming off a win in Arizona last night and an overtime loss to these very same nights Saturday in Edmonton. Vegas, a five-point gap on Edmonton and a two-point lead on the red-hot Los Angeles Kings atop the Pacific entering play tonight. Stuart Skinner expected in net after Jack Campbell played last night. See it on Sportsnet 1 East and Ontario, 10 Eastern time. That is a local in Edmonton. In Calgary, it's starting to feel like must-win mode for the Flames, who host those red-hot Kings and enter the night. Four points adrift of the playoffs, eight games to go. Tough test tonight. As mentioned, Kings 10-0-2 in their last 12 games. Best team since the All-Star break. See it regionally, Sportsnet West at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. With more on the challenge these Flames face, let's go live. Calgary, Ryan Leslie, right? Thank you very much, Timmy. Yes, must win indeed. They've been living in this territory, this space for some time, the Calgary Flames have. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago, a week or so ago, they got smacked 8-2 by the L.A. Kings uh, down in California. So they haven't forgotten that uh, to a man. They are still remembering what happened down in L.A. And certainly Pride Night here. That's fantastic. And all eyes this morning uh, were on uh, Matthew Coronado, the uh, first-round pick uh, from a year or so ago. And he... Uh, not necessarily made his debut, but it was the first time he came after signing. Uh, he came to Calgary after signing, after that uh, exit from Harvard, and uh, his entry-level contract kicks in. So everybody was watching him, got a chance to chat with him and kind of get a sense of just how excited he was as he joined his new team uh, on the ice today. Won't be in the lineup, uh, as you might expect, Daryl Sutter. Uh, Going to take his time with the uh, youngster. And uh, Daryl was asked this morning if he remembered his very first time at the NHL level. No. I just remember Phil Esposito telling me he'd let me win the face-off, and then I never won another one after that. <laughs> yes, uh, charming indeed this morning, Darrell was, uh, but uh, certainly he knows that uh, Matthew Coronado will wear number 39. Uh, Flames Nation just kind of waiting to see when he will get into the lineup. But right now, all eyes on this playoff stretch here. They have to have a win. It'll be Corpusalo versus Markstrom, the goaltending matchup tonight. No other changes. Chris Tanev still out now, which will be his fourth game out of the lineup with that upper body injury. So tough sledding indeed, Tim. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. <laughs> uh, I, I got to ask you this. Like, if Jacob Pelletier took that long to get into the lineup for Daryl Sutter, I know that people are already calling him Scornado in Calgary, and there's some excitement around him. He's a talented player. He's a first-round pick. But, like, we don't expect him to get in real quick to the Sutter lineup, do we? No, okay. and in fact, I think that's the message. Uh, temper yeah. all expectations for now. This is a good uh, draft pick. This is a good prospect. This is a good player. Uh, there were some early uh, comparisons from Daryl about maybe being like Andrew Mangiapane. I know Craig Conroy said in time, maybe a Tyler Toffoli. Those are great comparables, but everyone caution. Just be patient with this player. This is not a step into the lineup right away type scenario, but you know he wants to get in sooner rather than later, and so too the fan base to get a look. Time will tell, but I wouldn't expect it, especially with everything hanging in the balance, Tim. You ever met those sheepdogs? Those are absolute beauties. <laughs> absolute beauties. No, I guess not. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Bye. Welcome to the MIME Network. I'm Tim McAuliffe. That's right, Leslie. All right, uh, Jets in action against the Sharks. They're looking to find some consistency as they wrap up their California swing before a huge five-game homestand. Connor Hellebuck will get the start in goal for the Jets, all big for the Jets and the Flames all the way in. Elsewhere on the network, Preds and Bruins will follow Hockey Central on Sportsnet East Ontario and one. Preds are five back of the Jets in the playoff race, while the Bruins can clinch the President's Trophy with three weeks left in the season. Canucks continue to play well under Rick Tockett. Much to some of their fans' dismay, they face the Blues on Sportsnet Pacific. Before we get going here with Nick Kiprios, uh, a quick note. One of the more successful segments in this incarnation of Tim and Friends has been anything that Nick Kiprios <laughs> has been on. He comes in here after hosting his show and he kills it all the time. A true friend of the show. Let me introduce the one and only Nick Kiprios. It's true, man. I see the ratings. I look at them all the time. I study them. I don't know. I lay them out for people. When you come in, people watch. I just snuck away to Miami with my wife, <laughs> met my tell. daughter down there. I oh, come nice. back to what? Uh, where are you going? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just going later at night. <laughs> That's where I'm going, a little it's later tan. at night. It's good tan. No, oh, it yeah, is a good tan, tan, eh? Hey, listen. Uh, Kipper still goes, Just eh? on a side note, you know, I'm one of the early ones here oh, at yeah. Sportsnet. October 1998, been mm -hmm. around a long time. This show is as well run and as professional as anything we've done here at Sportsnet since 1998. And has nothing to do with me. Nothing. Everything to do. There, there's a crew back there yeah. that, uh, that, that uh, have everything good. to do with it. Uh, all right, so let, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about the Ottawa Senators. Sure. Because I came on the show, and listen, I, I know a lot of people are talking about how they're not going to make the playoffs and the the odds are extraordinarily long, as Jesse put it. But I really liked what I saw last night. Did you make some of the same conclusions over what yes. was a big game? Yeah, yeah, and I think it it really uh, revolves around Brady Kachuk. To me, this guy has got the uh, the utmost potential to be one a, a truly great leader. And there's a maturity factor going in here, and. You know, there's something to be, be, be said to, you know, giving too much too soon to young guys. And, yeah. you know, off, off the ice, there's still a, a maturation going on. But on the ice, you can see where this guy's going um, in terms of uh, being able to get it done on the ice and then having the guys around him uh, rally. And I, I just love the way he handled the Gudis hit on Timmy Stutzel. Timmy yeah. Stutzel. Yeah. And everybody's saying, well, why did you, you have to fight after every time on a big hit? No. No, I think Brady Kachuk just showed you that you don't have to, but what you do have to do is maybe have a, a, a talk with him and let him know that, hey, I'm not forgetting that hit, and there might be another time, another place, but me and you, we're going to meet up again. And I think that's as valuable as dropping your gloves right then and there. Yeah, I, I really liked it too, and I thought, like, we, we've heard about, listen, he, he got to see for a reason, right? We've heard things out of Ottawa, and I wondered when he first got that C, how much, had, how much of it had to do with just wanting a hero there in what was a yeah. dark time for the franchise where they had to move a lot of pieces. But this year, and, and under that head coach, I, I loved what he said at the end of the game when he's talking about that was the most mature I've seen Brady Kachuk play, and he starts talking about earning inches and winning inches because that's what wins when you matter most when it matters most and I was like I I'm down like I think I think DJ's got them in a good spot yeah and I, I think the organization's in a good spot yeah. uh you know the uh, uh 
the Melnick uh, uh, estate, um, mm -hmm. led now by his daughters, are in a good position where people want this franchise. Yeah. People are willing to spend almost a billion dollars on it. Are talking 900 to a billion? Is that what we're yeah, really talking we about? Are. Yeah, we uh, are. And they're willing to go there. Yeah. And uh, just the overall vibe right now yeah. built around Brady Kachuk and the Stutzels and the Norrises and the Sandersons and now Chikrin. Yeah. Like there's tremendous upside here for uh, our nation's capital. Uh, all right, let's go to the flip side of all of that and talk about the Flames and the Jets because both of them seem like they're reeling. I know one of them's gonna get into the postseason. And to be honest with you, I'd be scared of both of them in the first round, even though they're their recent form suggests that they're not going to do anything. They've still got two goalies that, if they're playing well, can steal a series. Like, what do you make of what's going on in Calgary and Winnipeg? And, and is there one that you favor despite these odds that we see here from moneypuck.com? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I got to think the Flames have the most upside here um, to, to, to rally around, but it's going to take some real good goaltending. I think by Markstrom to come in and finally uh, shut the door down. So uh, it, it's a shame that it does appear like they're both kind of limping in. Yeah. Um, but there's still way more upside for the Flames, if not even if they miss, even to come back next year. Um, not so much for Winnipeg. Winnipeg's got too many holes, too many question marks for the next you know, uh, six months, 12 months, 18 months on what that – that uh, that roster is going to look like. So I, I think the upside is in Calgary's favor. Right. When you heard Rick Bonus say that he's got to motivate his players, like what does that tell you about the future of that franchise? I, I I never saw the start that they had or their ability to maintain a playoff spot based on the fact that uh, there were so many question marks on guys' contracts and. Uh, the Wheeler situation, the captaincy. There were yeah. so many reasons why this thing was going to derail right from the beginning of September. Give them credit for, for bringing it along this far, to right. be quite honest with you. But you just wonder... That weighs on guys like you've been in a room before where you know that like there may be some yeah, change. Yeah, it does. It's, yeah. it's a constant conversation not uh not one of those where you're getting dressed before a game and you're you're talking to like no, 18 like guys mom and dad mom and dad yeah. a small group behind the bu in the bus on a road trip going hey what do you think who's going to be here who's not going to be here it's been a constant that that's always around the guys and maybe it's just catching up to winnipeg a little bit all right uh one of the reasons why this segment always does well when it comes to the ratings nick Kipriel, <laughs> is because we get into our weekly segment. I give Kipper some rumors, some notes that we've been hearing from in and around the National Hockey League and beyond, and we see if there's anything to them. We called it smoke or fire, and then you told Jesse Fuchs to shut his pie hole, so we added smoke, <laughs> fire, or Sorry, shut Jess. your pie hole. It's pretty simple. Smoke means not much there. Fire means it's legit, and shut your pie hole. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory. All right, so on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman said, quote, we know Dubois is going to end up in Montreal 95%. We discussed this in January on this very segment. This is what Kipper had to say a couple months ago. Any chance that as an RFA this summer, he could end up in La Belle Provence. Full blaze. Really? Yeah, full, full blaze. blaze. Full blaze. <laughs> not first. just smoke, yeah, not, not just not, fire. Not. First time full blazing. blaze. Blazing fire here. 
Okay, so, may, so maybe Kipper oh was on to this one a while ago. Smoke, oh fire, and shut your pie hole. Habs can start wow. buying the jerseys. And, and I was 100% back then. <laughs> Elliot brought it down to 95. So what Elliot's telling you right, right now is there's still a chance he could stay in, in Winnipeg. <laughs> right. Um, and listen, every, anybody has the ability to change their mind at the last second. And if they continue to try to talk him out of it, including Rick Bonus, good on him. But right. this has been out there for quite a while. He seems to be a guy that knows what he wants, whether or not it was him and Tortorella on the bench uh, in uh, when he was with Columbus, Columbus going yeah. at it. This guy, I think he's got a focus, and right now it doesn't doesn't seem to be swaying off the fact that uh, he'd like to go and play for the Montreal I mean, Canadiens. Obviously, he's a really talented guy, but I've seen that market chew up and spit out French-Canadian talent before. Like, would you be worried at all about him there in Montreal? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I think he kind of carries himself as not as a superstar, but a very solid hockey player. I don't know if he could ever score 40 or 50 goals, right. but he'll give you 25. Yeah, he can give year. you 55 or 60 points, and he, he plays heavy. He's not scared. He'll challenge guys. I think he's a perfect guy to fill in as a top six. Can you build a, a Stanley Cup around him, or would he be like a Jordan Stahl, where you don't look at Jordan Stahl uh, in, in Carolina as a superstar, but you look at him as, right. hey, you want to win in the playoffs? You want a big, heavy guy that leans on you? Hey, go sign this guy. Uh, moral of the story, Kipper still got connects. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I never <laughs> doubted that. All right. uh, Boston's been a wagon all season long. 57 wins. They can clinch the President's Trophy yeah. tonight. They'll need to win six of their last nine to break the record for the most regular season wins ever. Smoke, fire, shut your pie hole. Boston breaks the wins record. And does it mean the same as when the Wings did it in 95, 96? Or when the Habs did it yes. back in the day no. when they were tied. And this is where you got to shut your pie hole on this. Yes. Okay. It, it doesn't. Yes. Okay. It doesn't. We've right. got seven games uh, that have involved either overtime uh, or a shootout. Right. And come on, you, you want to say that this is the, the greatest uh, uh, post-cap era se season we've ever had? That's where you start those conversations. Don't you got to stop lumping in. Um, pre-cap and post-cap because the game had changed so much, especially yeah. with the three-on-three -three and, and the overtime and what those would have meant to those teams back then. Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not apples to apples on the comparison. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a stat just for uh, Leaf fans out there. So earmuffs to everyone else. Super stat or meaningless number. The last seven President's Choice President's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> President's <laughs> Trophy winners. Brought to you by. Yeah, Galen. Uh, That's all he needs is some free advertising. <laughs> yeah. trending in two seconds. President's Choice. Yeah. All right, so yeah. last seven President's <laughs> Trophy winners have not made it out of the second round. Is that a super stat or a meaningless number? And you don't have to no-name this one. Yeah. Nice. Well, we, we won in 94 winning a thing, so uh, I, I, I give it, uh, I, I don't give it as much credit when I, right. when I think about the Boston Bruins. The Rangers won the President's Trophy. Yeah. Uh, are, are, they, uh, are they in a position now where we look at them and we still think that they have not uh, had enough adversity? No. I have Patrice Bergeron, uh, Brad Marchand, do they need adversity in the last 40 games? to be ready for the Stanley Cup playoff push? No, not at all. I, I, 
I don't, I don't put much uh, stock in it. I gotcha. All right, three quick ones to close out. Smoke, fire, shut your pie hole. Last night, Michael Pizzetta hit us with the Tiger Williams yeah. celebration. Smoke, fire, shut your pie hole. This is one of the best celebrations in the <laughs> NHL this year. Yeah, I think you're asking a guy who might be a little too old. Um, I, I don't think... I, my first instinct is Montreal's having the worst one of the worst seasons in their history. I, I don't know if someone should be having this much fun this late in the season on, on a season that should be forgetful for many months. Did you defense. hear him talk but after the game? Yes, yeah, I did. Okay. And he won me back. <laughs> yeah, okay, he won right, me yeah, back. Him yeah. and Faisal yeah. were terrific. Yeah. The, the, I had that feeling where I'm like, come on, guy, calm down. Right. And then he mentions Tiger Williams. I'm like, how does he even know who Tiger Williams is? And it brought, it, it flooded me with all the memories of watching Tiger do it. Mm -hmm. And the mere fact that he had mentioned him by name says that he knows a little bit of the history. Yeah. And you brought, for me, you brought Tiger Williams back to life right. uh, uh, for a memory. And that can't be a, a horrible thing. Right. And, and, the, and the smile after, like, I'm so good yeah. with that. Anyways. So it's I, fine. Listen, yeah. kids today, they want to express themselves. It's right. it's more important for them <laughs> with their sellies yeah. and, you know. They but he said, like, I don't even know if I'll ever win a game again with a goal, right? Like, that made me smile, too. All you right. will. Just act like you've been there before. <laughs> That's what the uh, saying means. All right. Uh, today, NFL owners approved the proposal to allow players to wear the number zero in football. Smoke, fire, shut your pie hole, the number zero in hockey. <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, that's Marty Brown, right? Yeah. So he did it, and also a former teammate of mine, Neil Sheehy, did it. Right. Uh, I played with Neil in Washington, and every once in a while in Washington, I would remind him that, uh, that, that the zero means uh, toilet in Germany because I played a, I played a tournament or it was double zero I wasn't sure one, one of the men toilet but I'm like man you, yeah don't don't play like a toilet was the message All right, we got one more for you uh, and I know you're a Jays fan so this yes. one's right down your alley Blue Jays season just around the corner um, we heard Kevin Kiermeyer suggest that this team might be able to win 100 this year smoke fire or shut your pie hole Jays win yeah I'll give, I'll, I'll give them smoke, but like I am not one of those guys that likes talking a lot about it. Yeah, we can tell about right? last yeah. couple questions. Very consistent. Yeah. yeah. Laddie yeah. last year yeah. was like that was the trailer, and now you're gonna see the movie. But he didn't mention we weren't gonna see the movie. We're just gonna roll the credits right away. That's that's what you wanna avoid. Right. 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 Put your foot in your mouth a little bit, but. They, they added some left-handed bats. I don't know enough about the bullpen. You tell me. Be good enough to win 100 Better. games? Yeah, they're good enough. Okay. But also, shut your pie hole. <laughs> <laughs> Just play and win. Uh, give us a stick around for Jesse's segment. It's called Game Time. We'll do that next. Right here on Tim and Friends, Hockey Central coming up. Please do not change the channel. It's my livelihood for now. <laughs> And will be my livelihood for a while. Uh, <laughs> welcome back. Here is what's on tap tonight on the Sportsnet family of channels. Plenty of hockey for your viewing pleasure. Add a little WWE NXT and you got yourself a night. What time is it, baby? 
In four game time, Kipper McAuliffe, we hand it to Jesse Rubin. Uh, quickly, before we get to the uh, sports stories, uh, Michelle Brisebois tweeting in, uh, watching from the best sports bar in Mexico, Yo-Yo Moe's. Oh, nice. In beautiful Bucerias. Bucerias. By the that's way, they have Vallarta, I believe. Pizza. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I, that's a beautiful little town. The heck? How did you know that? Yeah, I've been there. Oh, I believe. that's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, so that's very cool. Yeah, I thought that's very cool. That's the second uh, spot establishment that we've seen broadcasting Tim and Friends in Mexico in a matter of weeks. So they know. Very down there. Yeah, look at that. They know down there. They very know. cool. They know. Yeah, uh, relax. Yeah. All right, the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks host the Stars tonight. Earlier today, Jonathan Taves skated with the Hawks for the first time since he stepped away to focus on his recovery from long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. He said he will try to play again this season but was uncertain about his future beyond that, and he was asked about the Hawks' recent moves, including trading Patrick Kane to the Rangers. It's been tough, though, to, to watch the changes that our team has gone through, and, um, you know, the guys that have been a part of this room these last few years, and namely a guy like Kane that I've, I've played with my whole career, and come back in the locker room right now, it feels a lot different, but it's, it's definitely uh, special for me. Regardless of what what happens in the future um, this summer, or, you know, it's it's definitely on my mind that this could be um, my last few weeks here in Chicago as a Blackhawk, and so that's definitely it's definitely very important for me to just go out there and just enjoy the game and and just kind of soak it in and and um, yeah, just just really uh, appreciate. Uh, everything I've been able to be a part of here in Chicago and show my appreciation to the fans as well. I mean, I know he's going through a lot. That whole thing just sounded sad. Like, oh, was, horrible. Yeah, yeah, it just sounded sad. Horrible. Tough, yeah. and, um, you know, if he wants to come back and play and he feels mentally and physically great, albeit, but Chicago really screwed two of the best players in franchise histories. Uh, I, I think they handled those two guys horribly. Yeah, you notice, and I, I listen, I try and listen, like, you notice he didn't say my last few weeks in the NHL, he said his last few weeks in Chicago. Yeah. So, might be coming back and going yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, uh, okay, the Florida Panthers playoff chances have taken a serious hit after dropping their last four games. Uh, golfer Brooks Kepka attended Saturday's loss to the Rangers with a group of friends, all decked out in track suits, and he oh, was nice. only caught on camera heckling Panthers defenseman Aaron Ekblad with a unique prop. <laughs> Where do you get a pylon from? <laughs> like underground parking? Uh, maybe they let him in with it because he's famous? They, you think they're buds? They, they either they're friends. They're probably friends. Or you, I mean, they look like they're having a good time. I mean, just put it that way, right? Like, they're, ooh, we went up with that. Like, mm -hmm. look like Jason Sudeikis dancing with uh, Keenan Michael Thompson. Like, what, what the hell was going on there? Well, he's got to spend the live money somehow, right? <laughs> uh, Is that cut or uncut, Kipper? Uh, heckling other professional athletes? I, I think it'd be easier to heckle him than the other way around. Yes, yeah. that is a fact. Ma maybe Ekblad's gone out in the golf course and done it. He's yeah. been brutal since yeah. he went to live. Light the candle! Yes, there you go. Mashed potatoes! Uh, Kipper, appreciate you coming by, buddy. Love, love As it. As always. Uh, Jesse Rubinoff, that does it for us. Hockey Central, David Amber is next. Hopefully we'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>